transfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. So, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. It is the, uh, blimey, the 2nd of August. It's been absolutely horrendously hot. We've had uh, all sorts of squalls over the weekend with um, hailstones about the size of a good-sized marble belting down, uh, people trapped in the cars, uh, crops have been damaged, uh, Castellon, which is about, um, I don't know, something like an hour's drive from here, um, they, they showed you all the, um, the, the the crops in the field damaged by these massive rail r- r- hailstones. Um, now then, I don't know whether Don is suffering the same fates over there in Wirral Merseyside. Don, are we hailing well, or uh, are we hailing stones? Hail Caesar, that's all. <laughs> hey, do you know, it's been fine the weather here. It's been cool, it's cooled down, um, a cool breeze, about 18, 19 degrees, which suits me fine. And uh, as I say, I do a lot of walking in the afternoon on the local coastlines. And it's great, and, and the breeze. Yesterday we sat with the Palomine on a seat, you know, the two old men <laughs> sitting on the seat on the prom, and I could have stayed there forever. It was beautiful looking out over the over the sands, and and it was great. But it's yeah, it's it's much better here because we're not used to it. You see, we can't handle the hot weather. <laughs> but I'll tell you what's amazing: you go out, and there's nobody out. I don't know where everybody is. There's Mel's Promenade, which you will know. Yeah. Uh, and we, we sat on, on, on a seat there. It must have been about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And there was hardly anybody down there. You know, where is everybody? Well, I think that's I think that's part of the plan, isn't it? I mean, the whole idea is to scare the living daylights out of ordinary people so that eventually nobody's going out. Although, I have to say, here in Spain, um, Denia, uh, the other night I, w- I drove down and it was throngs of people. Um, social distancing, my backside. Um, no, uh, to, to be honest with you, it looked almost like it was normal again. Uh, but, of course, it yeah. won't be, because I know damn well what will happen. Uh, they'll f- scare the pants out of everybody else by putting the figures up. Uh, and I do know of people who basically haven't had this problem. And uh, they'll quickly tell you they've had uh, a test, and it's been a, a positive. And I yeah. know they haven't, done. I know this personally now. Yeah. So I'm getting a bit cross with the whole thing. The only light at the end of the tunnel is watching the Olympics, and I'm sure you might have been enjoying them as well. That's right. You see, the thing is, with with people here particularly, it takes them three days for it to get in their head. Like, you see, when the weather cools down, they're still walking around in shorts and T-shirts because it hasn't, it hasn't, they haven't realised that the weather's changed. Similarly, the other way, if we have a cold spell, and then it goes to about 25 degrees. They're walking around with coats on still. It takes them three days f- f- to, to get in their head. And I think that's what might be happening. They suddenly realise, you know, there's perhaps a pandemic. <laughs> so they're going out. Anyway, the Olympics. Yes, um, 
interesting, actually, the, the Olympics. Uh, it, it's in our lives every day, all day, whether we like it or not. But personally, I do enjoy the whole thing, especially um, when Team GB do well. There's been some fantastic... That girl on the bike, did you see her? I, well, but the thing is, you see, I always was taught you, you ride a bike on the road. Um, I mean, I was looking at her. She, I thought it was Elon Musk off to another <laughs> space adventure. Goodness gracious me. Amazing tricks, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. And... What what cropped up this morning was the uh, the trans yeah the weightlifter I, I I couldn't hear what I could see it on the telly I didn't hear what they, what they were saying I was I was doing a little me workout and they, they had this well a bloke that looked like uh, Brian London with, with long blonde hair <laughs> you know um, I, I, I was trans whatever trans transsexual or whatever that it is so you know they were arguing whether he should be in the women's weightlifting well you know I mean the guy the guy was enormous you know and this, this, this apparently this is the latest argument you see and I've always thought this you know, if a bloke changes into a woman or wants to be a woman he shouldn't be in the female Olympics, really, because he's a bloke, basically, mm. isn't he? Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But uh, this fella, you should have seen him. I mean, it was pretty... It, it took a lot of unseeing, this bloke with the long blonde hair. And, uh, it was like it was like Benidorm when, when that... that uh, what's his name? Dressed up as a woman. It was. Y you, sound, you sound like you've fallen in love, Don. That's that's what I ex <laughs> you know you're a lovesick swain. <laughs> <laughs> what I find interesting about the uh, the new uh, 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 talking about that the new idea of mixed events, I thought that was fascinating. The two blokes and the two women in the uh, relay, the uh, four I think it was a, I call it the four forty. I think it was a four hundred meters relay. And did you see it? I didn't. It, I did hear about this, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing it, actually. It's very interesting, because you can, you can set your team out how you want. And what they do, they have a bloke running first, and then they have the two women in the middle, and they, and they end up with the bloke running. Well, Japan, I think it was Japan, didn't do that. They decided to have bloke, woman bloke and, and the best runner they had and the woman finishing well of course the bloke going third is against the women so he zooms ahead you know and he gives he gives the woman at the end the, the girl at the end about six or seven seconds start on everybody else she was literally a quarter of the way around the track then the blokes take off and just hurtle past her and she came last. Amazing. You know, it was it, it was interesting to see the difference between male and female. But but what makes it interesting is it's unpredictable when it's like that. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And they have the mixed swimming as mm. well for the first time, which is good, you know, because it, it gets that balance, you know, of, of like I think the team is 
boys and girls, you yeah. know, you, and it gives you that balance of the lot. It's not just blokes, you know. Well, I, I, I thought it was great, great idea. It, it is. As an exponent of uh, chain tick from my primary school days, I did find that some of the girls could run very fast. But, uh, you know, there is the tendency to think that maybe some of the men, if they're ahead and they know there's a nice lady chasing them, they might decide to <laughs> slow down. When we were on the prom yesterday, there's these four, three lads, about 15, sitting on the wall. The He's looking at his phone. And he went, whoa, whoa, and I looked over, and, and I just looked puzzled at him. And he said, oh, yeah, we're looking at birds, mate. And I said, you're, you're disgusting. And I said, let's have a look. <laughs> <laughs> he killed himself like yeah. <laughs> I said, I said, to me, they all look good at yeah. my age. And my mate said, even the mothers look good. <laughs> These lads will laugh their heads off. Well, he should have said, even the grandmothers look good. Yeah. <laughs> I said to the lads, believe me, lads, you will learn. Yeah. You will learn the hard way. Yeah. Oh, they were great. Yeah, but it's nice. And as I say, youth, they're all right, you know, if you, if you treat them well. Anyway, that, that was the... the um, a lot of the events, as I say, display some amazing skills. And they'll, they'll definitely inspire the, the coming generations if they can keep it going. See, the Olympics is like an exciting, everyone wants to get involved, but it, it's keeping it up, isn't it? That's the thing. People think like, oh, I'll take up weightlifting, or it's like the gym. You know, you see people, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start going to the gym, and you see them go down, they only go once. And you don't see him again, you know. Well, that that is right. And in fact, um, you know, I was wondering. I, I'm sort of going mentally through the process of trying to evaluate whether the BMX bikes are really what I would consider to be an Olympic sport. I mean, because uh, you, you know, having followed the classic traditions for all our lives, these newer events are changing the concept a little bit because, um, you, you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't do, but where does it end? Do, will we have the Olympic Formula One eventually? I mean, you know, well, where does, yeah, where does it stop? It's like, to me, it's a, it's a bit of entertainment added in, which I think is needed. I, I, as I said at the start of the Olympics, it gets a bit boring. The cycling is boring. The, the the dressage with the horses it's just it's so boring for me you know not for everybody obviously but you know I think a bit of entertainment that girl on the bike it's just unbelievable a forward somersault yeah double somersault you know I mean I know I know what you're saying it's not like sport as such but you know I think I think it, it I think it added to it. Well, the, 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 the dressage, you see, because I worked at the uh, the college we, where we had horticulture and equestrianism as well as sport, um, and, of course, equestrianism is part of sport. So um, I, I did actually have an interview with somebody who um, was connected very, very much into the equestrianism, and I went in to uh, see what they do. And, I mean, when you can see that somebody is riding a horse and just by a movement of their fingers 
the horse knows it's got to do something and and responds and things like that um, shows the marvellous um, teamwork between the horse and its rider and I've got to say I have a lot more respect for those types of things than I used to have in the early days um, knowing that you will have probably seen for example, the the, the seven-way um, split for the th for the uh, bronze medal in the golf. I mean, that was amazing to see seven guys having to um, you know play off for a, a bronze medal, uh, including um, Rory McIlroy and uh, Paul Casey. So uh, yeah, it was um, the games were were fascinating, and I do think that. Um, uh, if you take away my suspicions that um, possibly it's keeping us all, you know, busy watching other things again, um, th that's going to happen whenever the games are on. And let's hope um, that you know it does what it should do, which is to get other young people in involved, like that Whitlock guy that won um, and retained his pommel horse um, title. Which I mean, all these sorts of things are just amazing. Really, really yeah. impressive. Well, as like yourself, I've played virtually every sport at all, all levels. You know, so when you do that, you can appreciate the pressures these athletes face. You know, if you go in a tournament and you go through each stage, when you get to the final, if you get to the final, you know, there's no point losing after all that work. <laughs> you know, to me, you either win or you lose. There's no second place. But... You know, I think um, I think, I think it, it's quite interesting. You know, like I know exactly what you mean, but it's I, I find it quite entertaining, put it that way. But the horses, you see, I don't know anything about horses, and if you need to know about horses to appreciate that, then in, yeah. in that case, to appreciate dressage. But the, but they don't tell you that. You well, don't tell them exactly. This is a good point because uh, you see, had I not gone and spoken to this lady, it, it, I can't remember her name. It's a pity because um, she was part of an Olympic uh, team at one time, and she'd had a, an accident and she uh, did have a, a bad leg, you know, uh, because of a horse I think stamping on it. Um, but uh, she took me across to the equestrian unit, and um, I mean, you know, things like um, I'll, I'll give you another little graphic which shows you just things that you don't understand stand at the time um, I, I wandered across one day because I had to go past the uh, the courtyard past all the horses which was lovely all the horses would be looking out, out of their stables each morning as I walked across the uh, the yard uh, to where I had to teach which was Elliot Huts in the middle of uh, a field which was that part of it I didn't enjoy but I walked one day past um, a, a, a class that were learning about the entrails of a horse now it sounds morbid and it's not very nice to discuss but I mean all the entrails were out and I mean you know you're talking yards and yards and yards of the stuff and the vet was there explaining to all the girls uh, what happens I mean obviously it's not my cup of tea but it's part of their course so all these yeah. equestrians uh, equestrian uh, people not only are they brave because it's it's a big big old animal to be on um, but also you know they're doing things like jumping over the fences 
um, into water and all that sort of stuff, which um, obviously as part of a big sport, which involves a lot of things. And when it comes to the dressage, well, you know, you can take the, the mickey a little bit because it is a bit, a bit of a funny thing. But at the same time, to make the horse do what you wanted to do just by flicking a finger is just absolutely uncanny when you think about it. I've ridden a horse once. Some bright spark in the office when I was working said we could go pony trekking in Wales. His, his wife did it. She was a horse rider. And I got on this horse and I've never been so out of control of my destiny <laughs> for two hours in my whole life. We were only, we were only walking along and I was pulling left and it was going right. I was pulling right, it was going left. It was doing exactly what it wanted to do. And uh, I, I, and you're high up. So I would never, ever get on a horse again. And I've always said I could beat uh, Prince Charles or anything except uh, ho hockey, that thing that he played with. Oh, polo. Cause, yeah, because yeah, I can't ride a horse. But I could beat him in everything else. Yeah. But, um, you know... But that, that, that experience was in Wales. And, it, like, you don't realise how high up you are. Don, Don uh, you, 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 you're telling me exactly what my experience was because um, Dave and Eric O'Connor from Rupert's, myself and Smithy the Barber, we, we did exactly the same. We all went to this place. We told people uh, that we'd all ridden, and we hadn't. And we're going down the country lane. I'm actually managing the horse quite well. And it reared up and basically took off because the tractor came out of a field. Well, nobody talked about brakes. I had no idea what on earth I could do to stop it. Fortunately, there was like a judo technique I could do by screwing its uh, head round. Uh, and I did manage to stop it. But like you were telling me, it's a frightening experience because they're quite a big beast. It well, is, you know. I, I, my worry was we were, we were like there's a group of us, and I thought if this horse goes ahead of them, and looks up, it might think they've gone, they've run off, and it might take off because <laughs> it doesn't realise it's behind. And that's what I was thinking, you know. <laughs> and incidentally, I know Dave and Eric O'Connor. They're they were good mates of mine. They, they played squash. Great fellows. Exactly. Uh, I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't argue with Dave. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, listen, I, I, I uh, went to Dave's 70th birthday. I sang at his birthday party uh, about um, three years ago. Maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe four, four years ago now. Um, he's, li he's living over here, so it was lovely to see him. And he remembered that day because we, we were asked... Um, by his daughter Sam, uh, we, we were asked to uh, re remember something that we think he might remember. And when I did my bit, he nearly fell over backwards because he remembered exactly what I was doing. You know, and we, we had a real good laugh. Uh, I'm getting a bit fed up of scientists and so-called experts prattling on about climate change. You know, and the way we are all to blame. I was once in a museum in Shrewsbury, and in one part of it, there was a line on the wall about nine feet above the floor with a plaque stating that this was where the river rose to in the early 1800s. The river they referred to is a good 30 or so feet below the building. So, you know, I wonder what caused the problem. Diesel cars, perhaps, in <laughs> 1801. You know, 
I mean, it's it's called nature. I I feel, and uh, over time, the world has always gone hotter and colder, and that's the way it always will be. You know, even if we stop dropping our litter, you see that they go on about these scientists and these experts. You don't tell you who they are. Yeah. Just scientists and experts are saying this. I mean, I'm sure. There, there is a lot to do with climate change, but it's like cows breaking wind. What are you, how are you going to stop that? You know, I, I don't know. But I'm just getting a bit fed up with it all, with the climate change, you know. Um, so I don't know how you feel about it. No, and I think you've got a very good point, because um, I, I remember Jack Frost, the um, the weatherman, the meteorologist, who uh, was the guy that missed the... Um, uh, the hurricane and it went across the top of our house in Cornwall and I did have a chat with him and I remember him telling me that Spain would become more of an arid country over the years. Um, I would imagine that, you know, that that's what evolution is all about, isn't it? You, you, right. Things it's change. Nature, isn't it? It's nature. You know, we, we, we've had the Ice Age and it goes hard. You know, that I, I, they're blaming people. And when you think of the population of the world and the size of the world, you know, it's not as if the world's full of people. You know, even here where we live on Wirral, you go into the into the countryside and there's miles and miles and miles where you don't see a soul, you know. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. No, I, I think he, you've got it exactly right. And I do feel that... Um, I, I, I do remember when I was studying about the recreation and uh, the, the leisure uh, and how it would all go, because don't forget, this is back in the 80s when I was doing this. And, uh, I mean, they had people even then um, trying to stop people walk on the likes of Kinder Stout, uh, Scout in uh, Derbyshire. Um, they were saying that, you know, uh, that you couldn't walk across open land. And there was a battle uh, between the landowner and um, the National Trust. And basically, you know, um, Lady Sayer didn't want any more reservoirs building down in Devon. Um, you know... People have had these type of ideas for a long time. In fact, the access of the great outdoors didn't really come straight away. Um, you know, the, the government didn't want people to go out and spoil the countryside. So I think, like everything else, uh, if you want to find the politics, the politics are there. You know, it's a question, yeah. It's yeah. A question of whether you've got two options. You either swallow what you're told, hook, line and sinker, or you do what you and I try and talk about doing, which is basically try and understand things and then act responsibly within the information that we've been given. Um, I mean, you, you, you enjoy the countryside far more than most people do, and, and I try to do the same. There's nothing nicer than walking on a nice path, uh, seeing beautiful things. I mean, I went for a walk the other day. Uh, I know I saw a few dead rats and a few uh, dead snakes and things like that, but, you know, it's all part of your walk, and, and you do remember these things. Um, but when it comes to a piece of land and you've got the choice to either stay on the path or walk off it and make another path, and then eventually it becomes, you know, more than just a path. It's a field full of uh, footprints. So, yes, I understand both sides of it, but um, people with money should not just try to keep everything for themselves, which, of course, is what always has gone on. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. I mean, it, that's what life's all about. As I said, 
before, you know, people are so greedy making money they don't need. You know, the, the secret of life is to know the meaning of the word enough. Yeah. You know, when you've got enough money, because when you know, we don't last forever, you know, when you're, when you're on your last legs on your way out, you know, all the millions and billions are of no use whatsoever to you. Abs- you know? Absolutely true. And... <laughs> and- <laughs> And here on this part of the Costa Blanca, in fact, just down the road from me, uh, we have quite a lot of very, very unusual heritage sites, which are Roman camps, which uh, have become settlements here. Um, you, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of these. And, of course, you've got to have the vision to know what it is. Um, if you're just going to go down and see a stack of stones and, and that's all you want to see, that's what you'll see. Uh, but yeah. th- there are very, very unusual um, dwelling places here, um, which yeah. is really in line with um, Liverpool losing its world heritage because, you know, th- this is another area of contention at the moment. So what have you got with us on this one? Well, yes, uh, Liverpool's lost it, actually. They've lost the world heritage status. Um because of all the the building that's gone on, which, in my opinion, is 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 over the top. You know, there's too much, and they're going to build Everton's football ground on the waterfront. I mean, the waterfront was was a beautiful site, as you know yourself. The Liver buildings and, and the Three Graces, part of the Three Graces. It was it was it's nice, but now it's just like a mess, really. It, you know, if you look at it from one side. The, the Wirral side looking over at it if you look at it from a certain angle you can hardly see the Liver buildings they're dwarfed by these massive massive uh, skyscrapers and you know it, it, it's lost it's, it's uh, well they, they reckon that's why it's lost its status I think there might be other reasons uh, political reasons but I don't know yeah. but you know whereas they've lost theirs the slate mines of North Wales have obtained uh, the, the status they've been seeking for years. They're now a heritage in, in line with the Great Pyramids and uh, the Taj Mahal and all that. But, you know, it, it, it's fa- in the past, Blana Festiniog and Land Beris is where th- this is all taking place. They've been responsible in the past for their slates roofing most of the world. The slates go, went all over the world. And anyone who hasn't been to Llanberis should put it on their bucket list. It's a beautiful place, as you know. You've been mm, there. I loved it. And it, it is, it's, it's beautiful. And there's a slate museum there, which is so interesting and free. And it, at least it is at the moment. <laughs> now it's got status, I don't know. And I bet you the houses go up in price. But, <laughs> uh, you know, my father's roots are, are in that area. Um, he, he was Welsh, or his family was Welsh, and from Tanagrisha. And, you know, I'm delighted that they've been awarded this status. But an interesting story about the Slate Museum, just a quickie. I was telling this chap when I was... I, I go there a lot, and I go I always go in the Slate Museum because you can see the, the conditions these miners used to work in. Unbelievable, you know, the photographs on yeah. the wall. And I was said to this chap, I said, my father came from Tanagrisha. He said, oh, he says... We've not we knocked a, a row of cottages down in Tanagris and rebuilt them here in the um, in the in the museum. Wow! <laughs> the, the, the bottom of the museum, and I went down, and honestly, I'm sure they're the same ones I used to go and visit. Wow! It was it's like there's like a row of um, um, terraced cottages, 
and each one you go in each one and each one's a different year there's the 1950s and the 1960s you know with the television in there then the 1970s very very interesting but tiny the living conditions god blimey but yeah it's great and I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that they've got this uh, world heritage it's great you know but it's, it's quite funny well, things that crossed my mind as we're talking because you instigate little things that you know I'm thinking blimey and then uh, what I was thinking about was, you know, we were talking earlier about the Olympic Games and um, extolling the virtues of this girl on the bike. And, of course, yeah. y you can see quite clearly uh, for me that, you know, the games are changing and they, they're changing with the times. Uh, the skill factors are different. Obviously, the bikes weren't around, things like that. And as you're talking about this, you can see that, you know, f for somebody that obviously, like we have, lived through the times of those slates and we lived through the, the misery of the the people that obviously uh, had to go and mine uh, the, the slates and things like that. Um, I, I've got a guy coming to the house in uh, midday today, and uh, basically he is a master chimney sweep. He's German. I'm going to look forward to uh, chatting with him about what he does, how he learned his trade and that sort of thing, because he's a really nice young man. Um, but this is the difference, Don, isn't it, you see? We're older, we can look back, we can have the pride of knowing how things have evolved. Now, you see, maybe it's because we don't really think like the young people can't think at the moment. I mean, everything is this plastic and, and um, TV and things like that, whereas we've lived through the people that lived in those cottages, your parents, um, you know, um, I've I've loved going and walking in Clamberis and the pass, walking up to Snowdonia, um, seeing the railway, and uh, you know all those sorts of things. It's only talk until you do it, isn't it? This, oh yeah. This is the you problem, isn't it? it? You have to do it in your life. There's certain things you have to do. You know, I say to people here, we've got a place called Hilbury Island, Oof, and I was talking to this chap in the golf club, a young fella, and he's never been there. Mm. He's 35, he's lived here all his life. I said, you have to go to Hilbury Island. You know, just just do it once. It's it's otherwise you've really missed out. You know, and and to 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 get old and and because you get to a certain age, you can't get out there. You know, but that, that's the secret. But Lamberis in that area. It's it's magical, mm. you know. It's magical. A great big lake, and and you can walk round the lake. It takes a while, and it's a bit of a grueler. But but it, it's you know it is wonderful. And and, and of and course the the other thing, which uh, again while you're speaking, it's lighting up this picture in my mind of the underground cavern which is uh, pr promoting all this electricity coming yeah. from that area i mean right. it's such a, it, it's, a, it's such a contrast between the old and the new and last night on tv they were showing um, monaco and some of the yachts i mean good god you know the cost of a village uh, sailing on the water and the other week I was down in Denia. Now we have some huge yachts coming to Denia. Some really big boats are here. Um, you, you know, Rafa Nadal, uh, his uh, cruiser came in a couple of weeks ago, you know. Um, and yet on the front there is a museum like the one you've described and it describes the heritage of Denia. And I was enthralled walking through it looking at what 
Denier had been with its castle and you know and its fishing industry and you see, we, we see something, uh, Don, you know, because we take an interest. Uh, other people yeah. walk by and they don't see anything, do they? You can start. Well, I, I was a chap a while ago, a long time when I was working. His mother in law went to Rome, and when she came back, she said, Oh, it's all ruins. <laughs> you know, which, uh, which it is. But, mm. like, you've got to see what the ruins are. She, I can look at something and. and like an old castle that's fallen to bits you know you look at it and you can just your imagination takes you to what it must have been like you know when it was built you know the thing's probably 1500 years old this castle like in wales you get into there's just bits of it left yeah but it's fascinating well like, to me it's fascinating I, you know, I, to think that somebody was walking around here 1500 years ago yeah you know it's 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 fantastic if you got that imagination but some people haven't, you see. They, 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 well, you know. my mum, my as I said, was a, a Mersey guide, so I probably yeah. inherited a lot of her knowledge and, and uh, her love of these things. And we ha have a, a lot of lovely castles over here, so that will make another uh, thing that we can talk about at some time, yeah. some of the castles in Wales and maybe some of the things we got here. Um, yeah. Don, absolutely fantastic I, I believe we now got to change our accents a wee bit so uh, you've been there and back in a day featuring wee parts of Northern Ireland would, the, would that be correct? You're offensive now you can't <laughs> Oh I forgot yes sorry about I'm, that <laughs> I, I'm deeply offended and sexually assaulted oh, really? and, <laughs> and, loads of other, and loads of other things that I can't think about at the moment Well I don't care because as far as I'm concerned part and parcel of knowing that uh, you've got different parts of the world with different ways of speaking. I think it's lovely. And if anybody thinks I'm trying to be offensive, well, go and think again, because I think the Irish accent in the north of Ireland is so beautiful compared with this lovely soft accent that you have in the south. So I love accents. It's always been something I love to listen to, I love to practice, I love to hear other people. Uh, and so you've actually been there, haven't you? Yes, yes. Uh, my, my grandfather was Irish, actually. In fact, I've got an Irish grandfather, a German grandmother, and on the other side, they're both Welsh, so, you know, I, I always do well in the World Cup, you know. Well, you're so, a mongrel. Yeah. <laughs> you're a so, mongrel, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been, I've never been to Ireland before, so this is a, the one there and back in the day, yeah. which uh, we, we I used to do these features with Monty Lister when... Uh, he was on Radio Merseyside, and we'd go to these places and come back in a day, you know, all over Europe and, and, and other places. And um, we'd start off at Speak Airport, and off we went. And then we'd be back at Speak Airport in the evening, you know, after having making a, a program, a, a travelogue, with Monty doing the um, commentary, and I'd do his sound. And, and this one takes us to... Uh, Northern Ireland, which it was really funny. That we were we were to visit the mountains of Morn, so we take off from Liverpool early in the early morning, land in Belfast, have a trip round Belfast. You see all the the things. We, we the first thing we saw. I always remember was the most bombed hotel Oof. in Europe. Oh dear! <laughs> this is the first thing we saw. Oh dear! And, uh, I, I had to laugh. At uh, you know the Falls Road area where all the troubles were, the, the Trading Standards Department 
their address is number one Falls Road. Oh. So <laughs> I never, needless to say, I never applied for a job there <laughs> when I was in there. But it was fascinating, interest, very interesting. But um, we we we, tra- we we got on the coach. We we had a trip around Belfast and, and around the the dock area, which was great. And then we get on the coach, and off we go towards the mountains of Morn. Now, as as we're going along, the driver, who's a real character, he was really funny. He he was he was explaining things, and he says, and over here, he says, on the right, if you look out to sea, there's boats coming in with eels, and. Uh, he said, therefore, the, the trade, the, the, the fishmonger trade, you know, eels are very, very popular around here. And as he said it, one of the people on the coach said, is there any chance of seeing any eels? Which was a mistake, really, because the driver, oh, yes, he says, he takes this left-hand turn off the carriageway and he goes down this sort of footpath, if you like, <laughs> with the coach. I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating. It was narrower than the coach, this bloody footpath. And there's trees in the side of us. Now I'm thinking, oh, dear. anyway, we get to this farmhouse and <laughs> he gets out and he's, he goes up to the door and he says, there's a load of English people out here want to see some eels. Oh, he says, no problem. He brings, I'm not exaggerating, Vince, he brings this big box full of eels live. They were still alive, these eels. They were jumping around, and he was trying to keep them in the thing. And he brings them onto the coach. <laughs> Everyone's ducking and dodging. These eels are going everywhere, you know. Only in Ireland, mate. Only in Ireland. But uh, <laughs> and some fella said, which idiot asked, can we see some eels? <laughs> you know, it was really good, but uh, fantastic, you know. But... Mm. It was very interesting. The mountains are more beautiful, you know, and uh, as I said, never been before. So I'd, I'd recommend it. To, did, did you see uh, the Giant's Causeway as well, Don? No, we didn't see that. I'll tell you a funny story, though. We went to St. Patrick's Grave. Wow. Uh, which will interest you because you're uh, yeah. that way inclined. I am afraid. <laughs> a bit bizarre, but there we are. I used to play golf with this fella who was a, a staunch Catholic. Mm. Uh, you might have known him, Jim Harty. Did you? Oh yes, he played. He played rugby for our club. Jim and he Len. Did. Jim and Jim Len. Harty, yes. Well, he, he died exactly twenty years ago, oh. and every year I've been to his grave oh. with, with a little slate with a message on. He was a great mate of mine, and he, we, this will make you laugh then because you know him, and he used to go on and on. Oh, Danny, you're wasted. You're wasted. You're wasted as a Protestant, he said. You'd make a great Catholic. And he, I'm playing golf, and he, I said, for goodness sake, shut up, you know. <laughs> oh, no, he says, you'd make a great Catholic. You need to start thinking about this, you know. So uh, when I got to St. Patrick's grave, I said to Monty, take a picture of me next to the grave. So I've got my sort of leaning on the grave uh, uh, with my elbow on it, you know, with my thumb, thumb up, like giving him a thumbs up. <laughs> I had this photo in the pocket and we're going around the golf course and off he goes, you know, oh, you know, the, 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 what, the, what the English did to us and all this. You know, the, you know what he was like. And yeah. then he, I said, you're a good Catholic, aren't you, Jim? He said, Donny, I like to think so. I said, well, have you ever been to St. Patrick's grave? He said, I'm ashamed to say I haven't. So I take this photo out of my pocket and say, there it is. <laughs> and he sort of stopped and he was stunned. 
And so, someone said he had the photo on his mantelpiece with flowers around it. Oh, oh well, I've got to say, he was a fabulous rugby player, both Jim and Len. Um, and, uh, you know, my roots are Irish anyway. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, you see, we're having a really interesting chat about many good things. And a lot of people won't know that around the late 60s, you still had to be very careful as a duo what songs you sang in which clubs. Because if it was a Catholic yeah. club, um, I, with, with my duo, I used to always sing the Catholic songs. And then uh, the minute we went to a Protestant club, uh, the sash my father wore was what my friend sang. You know, so, yeah, I... Um, I think we have great traditions and we come from an area where it shows you that people can live in peace, but you've got to work at it. I mean, to have Hope Street with a cathedral at either end of uh, of the street is amazing. And when you look back at our heritage and, and the people that we both will have grown up with, um, that's something I'd never known that you'd known uh, the Harties. Um, and yet, you know, I'd played rugby with them. So uh, great, yeah. a re really nice memory, that, Don. Oh, he was a great mate, he was. I miss him, still miss him, you know. Mm. He was great. Yeah, so that was Jim Harty. I'll tell you some tales about him again in, in a future time. I can tell you a load of tales about Jim, mate. He was, he, he was just a one-off, so yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, as I say, you see, um, my heritage is from the south of Ireland and my grandfather came over to be a policeman. He wasn't allowed to be a policeman because he was a Catholic. And, yeah. you know, when I was doing my studying and I went and looked at the um, housing patterns in Liverpool, um, you can clearly see certain areas where the Catholics had to live um, when they came in from Ireland, uh, you know, obviously uh, looking for a new life. And sadly, uh, I think a lot of people don't realise all people have had to struggle. You know, all what's going on is nothing new. It's just that it's in a different time and we're getting the information a lot quicker. But um, you've really, really hit some uh, very interesting memories for me this week. Yeah, well, actually, I can't see the point of uh, Catholics and Protestants arguing. You know, like, I can't see the point in racism. You know... I'm the same. That, that's how I see it. But, you see, I just don't get it. I don't get why Catholics and Protestants fight. I don't get it. Well, I, I, I'm the same. You know, I'm the same. I, I can understand that the, that the the ones that fight do, that they got their own reasons. But, you know, fr from my point of view, I just don't really get it, you know. Don, I have to tell you, honest, I would not lie to you, as a, as a Catholic grammar school... I didn't hear one bad word about any Protestants or other religions. I really didn't. I was taught my own religion, so, you know, don't don't get me wrong, we were made to understand our religion, uh, but I never heard anybody ever knock anybody who wasn't Catholic. So that's my education. I've heard a lot of people give us other, other versions, but they must have been in different yeah. parts of my class because I can tell you that's exactly what I remember. Now, Don, um, didn't you used to have a demo service? Yeah, the, funnily enough, this, this, this goes on, this carries on from what we've just been talking about. I had a demo service when I started my company in 1980-ish, <clears throat> to, to pay for the studio, uh, I advertised nationally uh, in a magazine uh, to send send me your songs if you can't play or sing, and I'll do them for you. I'll put them in the, 
in a state you can send to publishers or recording companies or whatever. And they did about, oh, must have been about 200 of these over the years and uh, paid me money for, for doing it. And one of the, I, I had a lot of songs where it was like blokes singing in the bath, you know, and pretty horrendous <laughs> stuff like, which I had to get together, you know. And one fellow sent me a demo, he's singing it. And the phone goes on the tape. <laughs> And he goes and answers the phone and comes back and starts singing. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that the tales of that another time because it was just hilarious, you know. But one of the songs, this, this, uh, a lady friend, a lady of my friend of mine who lives in Shrewsbury, she used to send me a lot of her stuff. And she sent me one song. Uh, she used to just send me the lyrics and she'd whistle the tune. <laughs> you know, she couldn't play anything. Yeah. So, uh, but I used to change the tune because because uh, she she wrote she wrote poetry. She was a poet, really. And one of these songs, it was about a painter painting on a palette, and on the on the palette, it, it was rainbows where there wasn't any rain, and everybody had a smile on their face, and there was no wars and no hatred. It was just a beautiful picture of a beautiful place. Um, and it asks the question, why can't we see the world through this painter's eyes as he sees it? And I thought, what a great idea that is. And I, I rewrote the song, and I said, we, I'll, I said I'll write this with you. We, we'll do it a, a, a sort of 50-50 if it ever does anything. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll play the music. I'll, I'll write a, a proper melody to it and put the message over, I'll change some of the lyrics, which weren't very good. But um, I did it, and the song actually says, you know, you're looking at this painter, and you're wondering, why can't we see the world through this painter's eyes? There's no wars, no poverty, no, no, no hatred, no, nothing like that. It's just a beautiful place with rainbows, and everybody has a smile on their face. And you wonder why we can't see the world through his eyes. The answer is at the very end of the song. Okay, so we're going to play that now. And obviously, uh, Don, we've had some lovely memories this week. Um, So if you do the time-honoured tradition and back announce the the song. Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is a song I wrote with a lady called Patricia Napton, and it's called The Colour of Time. When the sun is hard to find I see him paint a picture Taking colors from his mind He finds a ray of sunshine Far beyond the cloudy skies If only we could see the world Through this painter's eyes I notice many flowers In his imaginary place I notice all the children Have a smile on every face Where views are overshadowed He will gently improvise If only we could see the world Through this painter's eyes There's brown and yellow, black in perfect harmony 
Oh, it's just a picture It says so much to me Maybe we would find That this is where the answer lies If only we could see Or poverty, no war, no greed, no pain. He even paints a rainbow where there isn't any rain. His pictures tell a story, and now I realize the world is such a better place through his painter's eyes. It seems that he is painting dreams that only he can hold. Can the reason be that he is own? 